This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Daniel Henderson. Daniel, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, thank you for taking us on your career journey today. But before we get started, could you please tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? To be honest, my what I really want to do when I grow up was be a caveman. That was the first <laughs> thing I said, was to be a caveman. And then after that, it changed to pro soccer player. I love soccer. That was my sport. My sport. But what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies while in school? My favorite subject in school was science. I always loved anything outside, really. And I loved soccer. I played high-level club soccer growing up. I traveled to the United States, go to soccer tournaments, college showcases. So, and I played with some really, really good players. Some players that went pro. What I liked to do other than soccer was hiking, backpacking, rock climbing cliff jumping, anything outside, really. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, what was your first job? When were you earned a paycheck and felt like you had some responsibility? I worked for myself. Was it really um, an official job working for someone? I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I started a business called EcoCare. It was very small. I mean, it was high school. It was like super small. But I had a couple of friends work with me. And it was environmentally friendly lawn care. I was working on building. Um, and I was the property manager for big mansions in East Walnut Hills, a warehouse in Loveland in Ohio, and a couple houses in like the Blue Ash Montgomery area. But the ones in East Walnut Hills were really, really, like if you've heard of the company Totes, they were really big. It was the former owner of Totes, his house, and then the other house was the house that's been in Rayman. That was in Cincinnati. I was the property manager for both those, and... I wanted to make the lawn care as environmentally friendly as possible. So I installed rain barrels, compost piles. I cut some lawns with like those old reel mowers. And then my first official job where I received a paycheck that wasn't like entrepreneurial was at Sammy's Burgers and Beers in Blue Ash, a restaurant. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you had that entrepreneurial spirit early. Well, if you would, tell us what do you do today? What do I do today? I run my own business called Recover Wisely, and my partner's Adeline Cook in Salt Lake City, Utah, who's the director of recreational therapy at Wasatch Crest Treatment Services, too. What we do is addiction treatment consulting, recovery coaching, and speaking nationwide, and we just diversified into doing speaking for traumatic brain injuries and recovery coaching and treatment consulting for people with traumatic brain injuries. And we're always innovating. And you're always innovating. Yeah, one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on this podcast is because my typical next question is, is well, how did you get there? And you have just an amazing story. So if you would, could you just kind of walk us along your path from that time of flipping burgers to today? Yeah, so when I was a dishwasher at Sammy's Burgers and Beers, ah, I okay. was in the middle of addiction. I was not showing up to school. I had a very bad alcohol problem. I dabbled with a lot of other stuff, but uh, alcohol is my drug of good choice. And it was, 
you know, addiction is highly progressive and can be fatal if untreated. And for me, it was progressing pretty quickly by the age of 18, along with the underlying mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and stuff of that nature. So I was not showing up to school with a dishwasher at Sammy's Burgers and Beers, and I was planning on moving out. You know, that's how I knew everything and how the world works, of course, at like 18. I ended up running away. I had a few mental health hospital stays. I definitely caused a lot of wreckage during addiction. And it took me a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, hurting other people in order for me to get sober. But also, what I've realized, it's really, really hard to locate the right treatment center for the right person. I went through a place called Adolescent Substance Abuse Program, which is an outpatient. It's um, in Blue Ash in Cincinnati. I went to the Linder Center of Hope. I went through Northwest Passage in Wisconsin. I went through a hospital in Chicago. I saw numerous therapists. It, I did all this, you'd think, with all of that, you would finally see progress. But no, I kept getting worse. I finally found a treatment center that was right for me that fit not only my clinical needs, but my vocational needs, my lifestyle in Southern California called Balboa Horizon. So that's what happened. That's how I got to work in addiction. And I just happened to be good at it. Helped a lot of people get out to treatment centers from the Midwest, eventually expanding to all over the United States, and I was just having to be good at that. I was always good at selling things, but really, really good at selling people who don't want to get sober to get sober or treat their mental health. And then I've worked business development. I've worked as a tech at numerous treatment centers. I've done stuff independently on the side. I went out to Utah uh, for work, and I... You know, I was hiking one day. I was working as doing a little bit of everything. The recovery coach, uh, or I guess it was called care coordinator, at Wasatch Crest Treatment Services in Salt Lake City. I did a little bit of business development at that time, a little bit of alumni work, kind of a little jack-of-all-trades, small business. So that's how it goes in small businesses usually. So I was hiking one day with my friend in Salt Lake City at Lisa Falls. The trail we were on was the side of a cliff, and it was early springs. So the ground was thawing. I stepped on a rock, and the rock just kind of gave way with the ground. So I fell with it. The ground crumbled underneath me, and I fell 200 feet off a cliff at wow. Lisa Falls in Little Cottonwood Canyon at Salt Lake City, Utah. It wasn't 200 feet vertically. It was too, like I hit stuff on the way down. My body tumbled about 200 feet. I don't remember any of it. That's what I've been told by my friend in Search and Rescue. I got air flighted out. I had two collapsed lungs. I was all bloody. I had a ton of broken bones. It took search and rescue like almost four hours to get to me. I was out in the middle of nowhere. Somehow Verizon got service. Awesome. <laughs> wow. I wanted right. a testimonial for them soon. This is the best real life account they have because the search and rescue phone they got there didn't have service. So they used my friend's phone to call the helicopter. I got to the hospital. I had a heart attack or stroke. I did die. I was clinically pronounced dead for five minutes. For why I had that happen, I don't know. I'm guessing my body was in so much shock. That's about clinically as in-depth as I could get. But then I was in a medically induced coma for a month. Did neurological treatment for a traumatic brain injury. I had to relearn how to walk, how to go to the bathroom, um, how to do literally everything. I thought I was 18. I was 21 when this happened. I didn't recognize my dad. I was really out of it for a long time, but during neurological rehab 
in Chicago, I went to Shirley Ride at Billy Lab, which is absolutely fantastic. They've been ranked number one in the world 28 years in a row for anything neurological. That's where I went for a TBI. They, uh, I noticed a lot of similarities between the residential side and outpatient side of addiction and mental health treatment to the residential and outpatient side to the treatment for traumatic brain injuries or anything neurological. So while I was up there, I was, of course, with the entrepreneurial spirit, always trying to figure out how to make it better. So my dad's an entrepreneur, and he worked with people with disabilities a little bit who were trying to get back into the workforce. So he said to me with people with traumatic brain injuries, when they get tired, they slur their words, so you always have to dress better. Usually it helps. So you don't look disabled. You never guess you looked at to me as a TBI or fell to or fell off a cliff. I look completely fine. But when I do get tired, I slur my words. I come off intoxicated or disabled, so I always make sure to look more professional everywhere I go. So I brought th these things up there and I was thinking, you know, what if I could better make this better vocationally? And while I was up there, I I started to take pictures of my whole recovery and document it to um, an extent. And I started to speak. I know every a lot of people in the addiction mental health industry, so I started in an acute state of health, going to treatment centers and speaking at AA meetings. I want to show people, the clients who are inpatient, that, you know, even when life happens, you don't have to give up. It is possible to stay sober through anything. There are over 130 deaths a day due to drugs, mainly opiates, in the United States alone. So this is a really, you know, a time where we need to show people that it is possible to stay sober through anything. And you can recover from if it's heroin addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever. It is possible. And with the new tools you learn in treatment or through 12-step meetings or both, whatever works for you, you can utilize those to get through really, really hard times. So that's what I did. And then I and I documented a lot of it. And then I would get people to treat that while I was up there because I didn't have anything to do. And I would get recommendation letters and continue to work even in an acute stage of, state of of health, then I started to contact the dudes when I got out and speak and take it to uh, another level and I got speaking engagements in Utah at three treatment centers and I designed the speeches and had a couple of them filmed that were on the news. Um, then I got one at University of Cincinnati and I talked to a treatment center to, that I was working for and to coming to join me for this speech I was giving at UC for the clinical director of the Linder Center of Hope. His class, he's also a professor. His name's Dr. Chris Toole. I had a business meeting with the Linder Center, and I helped get the treatment center I worked for and with the Linder Center and UC Health, ED Recovery Center, so in Cincinnati and Norwood. The lady who's the director of business development, Wendy Stein, who's absolutely great, she said, I think you should brand yourself. So that's what I did. She's like, you have what it takes. A lot of people on salary can't do what you are doing now. And I was in a pretty, you know, I was still in early recovery for a traumatic brain injury. A lot better than I was. I mean, I was speaking in front of college classes, but I, I still had a lot of work to do. So I was like, well, I'm going to do it. My goal's always been to, been to be an entrepreneur. So I did it.
and it's take it's really like I still have a lot of work to do. I'm only 22. I have a lot to learn. Life's always a learning process, no matter if you're 60 and you own a business or if you're 22. There's always things to learn when you go that route. And people keep doing the same stuff at all these treatment centers. No one's doing anything innovative really that much. There are places that are, but we need to we need a lot more people to innovate. Because I love 12-step meetings. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. It's done the world for me, but it does not work for everyone. Right, right. And that's the majority of treatment centers in the United States take you to 12-step meetings at night, which is a great way to expose people to support groups after the fact and people to hold you accountable with friends. But what about the people that does not work for? It's about a 30 or 35% rate for from all websites I've found, all data I've found for the sobriety rate from Alcoholics Anonymous for people who obtained over a year, which is not very good. That's an F. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention a couple things real quick. First off, I want our listeners who are mostly students to picture 200-foot fall. That's a 20-story building. So if you go outside and look at a 20-story building, they are huge. So just imagine you know, the horrendous trip you took down that. I, I can't even imagine that. And you referenced TBI a few times, which obviously stands for Traumatic Brain Injury. And I also wanted to kind of know how long from the moment of that fall, how long did it take to recover to where you recognize your family, friends, you could walk, you could talk again? How long was that recovery process? Was that two months, six months, year and a half? How long did that take? And I realize you're still on that path to a certain extent, I bet. Yeah, I am. But I guess it's certain things are chronic. So due to neuroplasticity, how the brain heals itself. I guess it kind of lasts a lifetime. I don't really remember, to be honest. I don't remember like the whole spring. I don't remember anything from, I fell March 30th of 2018. I don't remember, it knocked out my memory all the way until November of 2017, up until like the 4th of July of 2018. So I recognized my mom. I didn't know if she was real. That's called post-traumatic amnesia. It feels like a really realistic dream. I recognized my mom in June. Wow. And I recognized my dad in June. Now, I came out of a coma in April, so I might have recognized him prior to that, but I don't really remember. I know I didn't recognize my dad at first. I think I recognized my mom, but everything that I don't remember any of that, people have just told me it, so I'm trying to fill in the pieces the best I can because uh, I don't even know. But I know when I recognized my mom, I did not think she was real. I, post-traumatic amnesia is the state you're in right after you get out of a coma and have a traumatic brain injury. A lot of people are in it. Some people don't ever have it or experience. Some people never come out of it. I did. And what it feels like is a really realistic dream, the best way to describe it. So you're seeing everything, and you aren't sure if, uh, like, it's real or not, though. Right, so, right. Yeah, I thought, honestly, I thought cause my mom would leave me alone. She kept supervising me. You have to be clinically supervised. I was in outpatient therapy for a traumatic brain injury five days a week, but she had to follow me everywhere. I was like, I could not, I literally could not figure out where I was going, like what was going on. I thought that from all the crazy stuff I did during addiction, that I went, I was, I went to hell. And hell for me was being supervised by my mother 24-7 <laughs> right. at 21 right. years old. And I would go to the physical therapy and all these girls would, who were like interns in college who were really cute would stretch my shoulder and stuff. I broke my shoulder really bad. My mom's right next to me. And I was like, I want to flirt with these girls, but I can't because my mom's here. I like, <laughs> As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. 
And if you're an educator or student, you could search for podcasts by career cluster. So, Daniel, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a caveman or a professional soccer player, and what you do today, which is a recovery coach slash entrepreneur. Really interesting question here. Looking back, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? I would have enrolled at school a lot earlier when I was probably like a year and a half ago. I don't know if I was ready for school yet a year and a half ago. I would have taken probably more certificates, see if I could get those certificates done and get everything alive that I would enroll in school. Now, talking about cert- certificates, you mean like uh, counseling recovery certificates? Like recovery coaching certificates, interventionist certificates, all of those. I Crisis intervention, I got that, but I could use a couple more. Drug and alcohol counselor certificate, that takes like a year though, but stuff of that nature. And then I would have read a lot more. You learn so much from literature and reading. I still need to read more. But I definitely need to do more of that still. But I feel like if I read more about... I did business development at a super young age. I was 19 or 20 when I started. Uh, I was on salary. And that's a pretty hefty position for someone who just got out of rehab. He's like a year and a half sober and gets was just good at it by chance get good at it as a job business development development representative so if i read more i would have learned i would have knew about better marketing techniques earlier i would have gotten a partner a lot earlier and started charging earlier for my services i did it voluntarily i strategically volunteered but i got really good at it i realized i should have charged well let's talk to the student who would like to do what you do now i would probably say maybe a recovery coach or an entrepreneur whichever one you think makes the most sense what advice would you give them Get a really bad drug and alcohol problem and fall off a cliff. <laughs> no, don't do either of those. Um, <laughs> my best advice for you, if you're not coming out of treatment, because a lot of people in the field are actually in recovery from mental health and addiction, would be to not only go to school, but strategically volunteer. You learn mm. so much stuff when you're actually working with the population and there's actually a lot of free opportunities if you're trying to work with people with drug and alcohol addiction and mental health issues i mean there's 12-step meetings all over the world um you just look up the schedule on your calendar or on your computer and you can find a meeting and talk to people and just go and observe and talk to people who are you know in recovery from addiction or newly sober and you can they would they're super nice uh, everyone's very outgoing at aa or na or whatever 12-step meeting it is you, they will go out to coffee with you and share about whatever you want to know people are very honest in those programs also just look for different opportunities adolescent treatment centers homeless shelters adult treatment centers to volunteer so that's how i really got into it was other than going through treatment myself i started to volunteer a lot. I still volunteer a lot. I volunteer all the time and it gets me all sorts of connections and really builds my list of contacts with all sorts of people. I've been put in touch with a lot of people in very high places through volunteering. I would work for someone that knows who's older than you and knows a lot more than you do who's been in the field for a long time because you can learn so much from college degrees or entrepreneurs or therapists or directors of business development, clinical outreach, and they help me tremendously. Yeah, you really had a good point there. And I've heard that from a lot of folks is, you know, volunteering, whether it's through a mentorship or volunteer role or being an intern, really helps you understand, is this something I would like to pursue, whether it's in the health field or elsewhere, and really helps you make those great connections that last a lifetime. So that's some really great advice. 
Well, are there any projects you're working on that you would like to share? I speak at the Opiate Grant Council, and I'm speaking to a lot of the treatment centers and some schools, and a lot of people are on that grant council. The government, I think, uh, it was the state who granted Southwest Ohio, three counties, Hamilton, Butler, and Claremont, millions of dollars to help fight the opiate epidemic. They are all going to be there who have all this money, and I'm going to talk about how we need to be more innovative and methods and new services I'm providing that I've noticed are being done in other parts of the country. So they're not new, but they're new to Cincinnati that are really, really helping. They're not really doing much of them here. Or, which is like taking people like on adventure therapy outings, a lot of treatment centers don't take people to 12-step meetings. It's a great resource to have once you leave treatment. We need more exposure to things that people like to do sober, like activities. Recreational therapy is great to expose people to that. And outside support that are free. So stuff of that nature. So I talked to them. That will be great. I really want to help them implement these new methods or methods that have already been going on in the U.S., just out in much of the greater Cincinnati area. And the other projects I'm working on is I'm working on creating addiction, mental health uh, recovery, and your job and career search into a product through an app. I want to show how, like, you know how in a job or career search you might feel stagnant if you shoot X amount of resumes out, you have two or three interviews, but you don't get anything you want, right. but you don't feel like you're making progress. I want to show visually how you'll be making progress through an app. So through graphs, through explanations. So you've got to like, you've had 10 interviews, you shot out 30 resumes the past three weeks, 10 a week, you are this much closer to that job you want, and this is why. Um, yeah. It's just a numbers game, really. It's the same thing with getting sober um, or overcoming mental health issues. I want to make it, you can't see the brain, and I want to make it visual. So what I'll do for that is like, let's say you're waking up every day and taking your bed. You're keeping, you're staying organized, you're showing up to work on time. You have six months sober, you're going to your therapy appointments, you're doing all of that right, but you're still not, like you still don't have your wife back because of all the wreckage you caused. You stole money from her, all of this stuff. That's what happens, active addiction. And you don't feel like you're making progress, but you are six months clean. You are working full time. You go to school part time. You're showing up to everything. So I want to show the same concept of you are this much closer, like yes and no, your wife might not come back, but you are this much closer to being these other goals you want to meet to meeting those goals in your life and continuing to stay sober. And the longer you stay sober, uh, statistics increase that you'll stay sober like an extra year or an extra six months. So you're this much closer to long-term recovery. And I want to show that through a glass. Uh, graph and clinical explanations. So I'm working on that, and then I'm working on, I want to create sober bars. They're doing that in different parts of the country, but it wouldn't be only for people with addiction, mental health issues. It would be anyone who just wants to go to a bar-type atmosphere and, and not drink. It would be right. it would be about health. You know, let's have a bar-type atmosphere. Let's have live bands, let's have, you know, sports games on, a place to socialize, a a good sense of community, but it's all about health. Yeah. And we're not about drinking. We're about having positive friends, having a good future, and having fun. So I'm working about I'm working on creating sober bars in Cincinnati. Well, it's good you're only 22 because that's a lot of stuff you got on your plate, which is pretty cool and pretty exciting. That's really neat. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of time to work on it. 
<laughs> well, you just took us on your career journey, and as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And we don't know each other, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. Could you please tell me, what was your first car? A Toyota Solera. Solera. Now, that's the like two-door Camry-based convertible. Is that right? Yes, it is. Oh, that's a pretty nice little car for our first car. Nice convertible. Well, what's your dream car if you have one? My dream car is a Subaru of some sort. Maybe like an Outback. Oh, okay. I love the outdoors. I love camping. That's a great camping car. That's awesome. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy a really cool company car based on your job. And yours was really interesting. So I went straight to the name of your business, Recover Wisely. And I asked myself, what car companies have recovered wisely? You know, like they were on the brink of dying out, out of business, and they came back. And so I came up with Chrysler who was a recipient of a massive bailout during the recession, which was then bought by Fiat. And yep. that's the, I didn't want to get you a Chrysler, though. I wanted you to get you something a little bit cooler. So I went back in Chrysler's history and their brands, and I found uh, in the 1970s when they were a brand called American Motors, I think I found the perfect sport ute for you i picked up for you a 1986 jeep cj7 levi's edition have you heard of this sport ute no well this is a really cool iconic jeep like the wrangler today but it's uh made for off-roading and it's the levi's edition which i thought was pretty cool because it has like levi's designed seats and a uh, canvas top and some other cool stuff and i knew you liked outdoors so i thought this would be the perfect cool company car for you if i had all the money in the world do you yeah. do you uh do you like jeeps yeah i like jeeps oh good okay <laughs> i didn't want to pick something you didn't like <laughs> no i like jeeps i would take a jeep any day oh cool well well thank you for taking us on your career journey today what's the best way our listeners can learn more about you or your company follow my company on instagram it's just recover wisely that's what it is one word or facebook Recover wisely, same thing, one word. That's the best way. We post all the time. Everyone has social media, especially Instagram. Everyone has a phone. We post everything that we're up to on there. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, Daniel, so much for taking us on your career journey today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at GregStanleyLFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.